So we're going to talk to you today about uh, the prosperous soul specifically, uh, cultivating the prosperous mind in your life. But going back to 3 John uh, verse 2 from the King James Version, Beloved, I wish above all things thou mayest prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Now the key here is that God is desiring well-being in your life in every area of life. Say every area. But the entire notion is predicated upon the condition of your soul. And so it's critical we understand what a prosperous soul is because without a prosperous soul, you're not going to tap into all the good things that God has for you. It's the connection point between your spirit man, which is fully alive and fully glorified, born again, actually glad for the new birth. And the connecting point between the reality of your new birth and what's out there in this world, what God has for you. And so it takes a prosperous soul. Now, lots of times people will hear us talk about things like, you know, God's well-being in our lives and how He wants to provide for us. And He's our healer, our restorer, our deliverer. Aren't you glad He's all those things and so much more? And they'll think, well, they're just talking about easy believism. But that's not exactly right. You have to have the prosperous soul so you can actually qualify for what He has for you. And if you ignore the importance of, for example, having your mind be made prosperous, you'll never walk in the fullness of what God has for you on this earth. Now, a lot of folks say, that's perfectly fine with me. I'll die and go to heaven one day and I'll wait. Well, I want to encourage you. Jesus didn't die, so you'd have to wait. You, in fact, are his example in this earth, what he can do. And we'll get into this a little bit later, but Jesus actually defines what his mission is in the earth. And how many know we as a church can't have a different mission than he had? And his mission is that his people would be well in every area of life, starting with their spirit man, starting with the born again experience or the new birth. And so it's important you understand that. If I say prosperous soul, then we have to define what a prosperous soul is. And a prosperous soul is basically having well-being in your mind, your will, and your emotions as a starting point. Say it with me, the prosperous soul. So we talked about last week how the prosperous soul is a growing soul, a loving soul, and a giving soul. Say, I'm a growing soul. Say, I'm a loving soul. Say, I'm a giving soul. And that's kind of like the foundation for developing and cultivating a prosperous soul. You're growing in your faith and your knowledge of God. You're walking with Him. You're loving people. You've learned how to forgive. Say, I'm a forgiver. Say it like this. I'm a professional forgiver. How do you become professional at anything? Over and over and over again. You just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. And it talks about being a giver of your time, your talent, and your treasure. And as you have this foundation, you're in a position to cultivate the prosperous soul and then fulfill what John has said. Beloved, I wish. Say that with me. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. The key is your soul has to prosper. Uh, has to prosper. And some people think, well, does God really care about that? We learned last week that God takes great pleasure in the prosperity of His people. If you favor His righteous cause, then He is for you prospering in this earth, in every area of life, first spiritually, and then in every other area or basic uh, part of your life. Um, and you know, we're multidimensional and some people see good things happen in one part of life, but they don't see them happen in another part of life. And sometimes they'll actually sacrifice family or, or ministry or whatever to go pursuing something that they want in this world. You know, the only way to have what we would call it all is by having a prosperous soul. 
And that means it starts with getting right with God. And you know a lot of people out there in the world, they want nothing to do with Him. Well, I want everything to do with Him. Amen? Amen. I want Him as the foundation, the first and the last. Glory to God. And when you're like that, then you can qualify, not just for God taking care of whatever financial need you have. You don't have to sacrifice your health or family to get it. And I have a better amen than that. And so in, in talking about what a prosperous mind is, say a prosperous mind, I've been meditating on this for a long time. And I'm like, you know, Lord, what's the, the best way, you know, to explain what a prosperous mind is? And we'll do that. And then we'll talk about actually how to cultivate that prosperous mind. And I felt like the Lord just impressed my heart with this notion. He's saying to me, and I believe he's saying to you today, a prosperous mind, God says, is when my people start thinking like me. And that's a tall order. Because we have all these influences around us, and we have all this religion around us and legalism around us. But you know, you're prospering in your mind when you're starting to think like God does. Your thoughts line up with His thoughts and what He thinks about things. And of course, His thoughts are holy, and they're wise, and they're truthful, and they're positive, and they're loving, and they're unchanging, and they're big. Amen. 1 Corinthians 2.15 tells us, Who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct Him? But we have the mind of Christ. This tells you and me that we have the potential of knowing His thoughts and thinking just like Him. Sounds arrogant to the person who doesn't understand the principles of the Word of God, but it's God that said you and I have the mind of Christ. Now whether we choose to walk in that, whether we choose to think like He does, that's entirely up to us. We have the ability to know His thoughts, to think His thoughts, to think like He does. And if you think like God, how many you understand you're going to have some good things operating in your life? If you think like God, how many you know there are going to be certain things you don't let in your life? See, this road is still narrow. And the prosperous life, it requires a prosperous soul. And it's, e it's anything but easy believism. What's the authority on what God thinks? The Word of God. And it needs to be the authority of what you think as well. A mind that finds out what God's mind is on a matter from the Word and then pushes out everything else that contradicts it, that's a person who's cultivating a prosperous mind. And I don't know about you, but it's coming at us a thousand miles an hour every single day. Books like, series like Conversations with God, and Kelly was telling me about this, where someone, the author, purports to be God, and people ask questions, and instead of answering those questions from the perspective of the Word of God, they answer those questions from what the culture and society says. Are you here today? For example, a little girl asked this author who's purporting to be God, why was I born a lesbian? Why did you make me a lesbian? And he says, being God, I made you that way. Glory in what I made you to be. That's what we're dealing with in this world. God did not say that. He said he made them male and female. And he made it clear, just as an example what this is all about. So somebody's going to have a prosperous soul. They have to have a prosperous mind. They're going to say, I'm not going to be influenced by what that world out there tells me. Right. Listen carefully. 
the further deadbeats and compromisers go out there, you dig in even closer to the Word of God. You stay faithful to what God has said. It will protect you in the days that we're in. You will not spin off into compromise and destruction. Amen. So let's get into this today. Are you ready? I've only got 15 points. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so far, I'm on track to get this in October. Amen? I'm motivated. <laughs> Actually, there are three of them, but they're all very, very important. How to develop and cultivate a prosperous mind. You should write these scriptures down, meditate on these. Number one, you need to renew your mind. In Romans 12, too, you've heard this often from this pulpit. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. J.B. Phillips says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of the mind. When I talk about renewing of the mind, I'm talking about a very specific application of this in terms of walking with God and seeing Him prosper your life. Renew means to change and rejuvenate to a previous and preferable state. There is a time when the mind of a man and a woman were absolutely perfectly glorified, functioning at the highest capable ability for a human being. Sin compromised that. The fall compromised that. Jesus came to restore that former glory. The only way we can do that is through the renewing of the mind. And your mind will not stay renewed any more than your hair will stay combed. Or your legs will stay shaved. There has to be a fundamental commitment on your part that I am in this every single day. I am focused on a prosperous mind. I'm going to renew my mind. I'm going to let God elevate it back to the way it used to be. And that takes one thing. It takes time in His Word, meditating, focused upon it, not what everybody else has to say about what God thinks, but what God actually thinks through His Word. The prosperous mind is renewed to the thoughts of God. In Isaiah 55, 7, let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. We cannot renew our mind and hold on to our thoughts. This is why we'll say in this church, if it hasn't happened already, even if you're new, get ready, it will happen where the teaching, the revelation of the Word of God will slap your religion right in the face. And at that moment, you've got a decision to make. Am I going to go with what God has said? Or am I going to defend my tradition? The Bible says the traditions of men make the word of God of none effect. At that moment, when you have that religion bubble up on the inside of it, how many know what I'm talking about? It's happened to all of us. It just happens here a lot more. And instead of shutting down on God's word, to say, you know what? I'm here. Teach me. Show me. Give me revelation. You shouldn't be married to your tradition or to your religion. You should be married to the God of this word. Amen? And let him renew your mind. So when something comes up that goes contrary to your tradition, you say, you know, I'm putting that down in Jesus' name. And I wish it could just be done at the snap of a finger. It's done, we're born again, but it doesn't work that way. Your spirit man is perfect and will always be in perfect line and harmony with God and always choose God's will if that were the only thing going on in life, but it's not. Your mind has to be constantly renewed. Maybe there's a time where you were really, really digging in and maybe you got away from that. The good news is you can start all over again. Amen. 
Ephesians 4.23 says, And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, the attitude of your mind. The prosperous mind meditates on the word of God day and night. That's what God told Joshua to do. Don't let the book of the law depart from your mouth. In other words, don't stop talking the word of God. Don't stop muttering the word of God. Don't stop meditating on the word of God. He said, because as you do, as you meditate upon the word of God, you get it. Well, so what will happen is a desire will come for you to do what I've told you to do. You'll be careful to do all that I've instructed you to do. And you will make your way prosperous is what the Bible says. Watch this. The renewing of Joshua's mind would cause him to what? To do the things God was saying and he would make his way prosperous. You will always see a connection between the renewed mind and God's blessing and prosperity in this life. You can't get there without a renewed mind. There are just too many, you know, cultural and societal and religious and legalistic minds stopping us. We've got to make sure we understand the connection between the prosperous life he has for you and the renewed mind. Same thing is found in Psalm 1. We don't hang around the scoffers, amen. We don't, you know, sit down with those that are contradicting the word of God and, and laughing about the authority of God. But what are we doing according to Psalm 1? We meditate day and night on his word. And we're like a tree planted by streams of water, amen, which yields its fruit in season. His leaf does not wither. Everything that kind of person does prospers. But notice it comes because they are meditating day and night upon the word of God. Well, pastor, this is just too much work. Let me tell you something. You're going to live your life one way or the other. You're either going to live in victory or you're going to live in defeat. The person that chooses to renew that mind, they're saying, I'm going to walk in victory in this life. I'm going to have a prosperous soul. Come on, shout it out. I am going to have a prosperous soul. Say it like this. I have a prosperous soul. But watch this. You can't get it without a prosperous mind. You can't get a prosperous mind without renewing your mind. All day long, you're being bombarded. All day long with things that contradict the word of God. The only way you know it's contradictory is if you know what the Word says. And a lot of people don't. They're not taught the Word. They're given pep talks and they're given tradition. And in some cases, things that completely contradict what the Word of God says. Even to the point, and I never thought I'd see this in 2023, people standing up, you know, with, you know, Flags supporting LGBTQ in their, in their pulpit and sitting there saying that God, Jesus didn't come to forgive us of our sins. There is no such thing as a physical resurrection. That's how bad it's gotten. And if you don't know the word, you say, well, you know, it sounds reasonable, a spiritual resurrection. No, it doesn't because Paul said if Jesus did not rise physically from the dead, you and I are still in our sins. There's no such thing as a Christianity without a resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So who's behind it? The devil. How do we know it's the devil? Because we are having our minds renewed. We're taking this thing seriously. You can't, uh, you can't make it on what you had five years ago. You're not going to get there with what you learned in Sunday school, you know, when you were a kid. That's all great, but you're going to need the mind renewed today. Turn to somebody and smile and say, you need your mind renewed today. The prosperous mind is being prosperity-minded, not poverty-minded. 
And the only way that you're going to get there is to understand what Jesus' mission is. One of my favorite scriptures in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, Jesus quoting from Isaiah 61, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me after he found the place where it is written, for the, what? God has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He went on to talk about the specific reason he came. Now, how many know he came that he would restore us to the Father? We would be forgiven. But that's not all he came to do. And he illustrated this sermon. Apparently, this was something he carried from place to place to place. And he said this, and write these five things down. This is what Jesus meant. He came to bring a prosperous life, not just to certain people, but to all people who would call upon his name. First category was the poor. Say the poor. Second category was the sick. Say the sick. Second category was the blind. Say the blind. The next category was the bound. Say the bound. The next category was the broken or the brokenhearted. What does that tell you? That Jesus came, yes, to forgive you of your sins, to die for your sins, but then to bring your life back up to the way it was supposed to be that the Father's heart was from the very beginning of time. Whether you are poor, amen, sick, amen, broken, busted, disgusted, addicted, whatever you are, He came that you would have the abundant life. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy don't confuse who's doing what here. I said, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly to the full till it overflows. So in other words, this gospel is to help the poor. It is to help the sick. It is to help the blind. It is to help the bound. It is to help the broken. And you may be one or all those things today. But when you get your mind renewed, make sure you're getting him renewed to what he says the purpose is. Not what some theologian says. Say, my mind is being renewed. The prosperous mind means searching out and replacing all thoughts and strongholds that contradict the word of God, like legalism, like religion, like selfishness, like poverty mentality. The Lord would love to just drive the poverty mentality out of your life. Because poverty is not a blessing. It's under the curse. Are you here today? The prosperous mind means understanding redemption in terms of being free from spiritual death, sickness and disease, and from poverty. That's what the curse was. The curse was spiritual death. The curse was sickness and disease. The curse was poverty. Well, somebody came to die and redeem you from the curse which means spiritual life, hallelujah, which means healing and health, which means provision for you and for those that you care about. In other words, your mind has to be renewed to what redemption is. Religion says redemption is the forgiveness of sins only. That's where it starts. But God's redemption is more than just you dying and going to heaven one day. Hallelujah. Say, my mind is being renewed to the prosperous mind. The prosperous mind understands redemption. We have to push out anything that would tell us that we can't enjoy every dimension of that redemption. Aren't you glad that He's set you free from spiritual death? If you're born again today, you're truly alive. Anybody alive in here today? I said, anybody alive here today? Anybody here alive today? Yes. You were dead in your sins and your trespasses. He made you alive. 
He took you out of darkness and brought you into his marvelous light. You've already experienced the greatest thing you'll ever have. Far more valuable, far more expensive, if you want to think of it that way, is the fact that he caused you to live. You, your new birth is the greatest miracle you'll ever experience. If he can do that, can he do everything that's inferior to that? Amen. But your mind has to be renewed. Now, here's what I hope. I hope you get so tuned in to what the Word of God says that you don't let anybody talk you out of your redemption ever again. You love people best you can, but this is what you do. This is what you're doing. This is what I want you to do. You don't let it affect your thinking. Amen. Say the prosperous mind is a renewed mind. Number two, you need to set your mind. Set it. It means to establish, to fix, uh, to entrench. A renewed mind needs to be fixed and then established. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. Say that with me, set. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. 1 Peter 1.13 says this, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at His coming. Set your mind. Hebrews 12.1 and 2, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance or patience the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer or the author and perfecter of our faith. Isaiah 26, 3, you'll keep in perfect peace whose minds are stayed on thee or steadfast because they trust in you. Turn to the mind and tell them, my eyes are fixed on Jesus, on the Word, on the Father. The focus is on Jesus and heavenly things. Say it with me, my focus is on Jesus and heavenly things. Well, let me give you a supreme irony here. The more you focus on heavenly things and spiritual things, the more natural things are going to show up in your life. Seek ye first. A set mind says, you know what? I'm going to put everything in order the way it needs to be. It's God first. It's God's word first. It's his plan. It's his purpose for my life. What I'm going to do is be established in this. I'm going to do what he's told me to do. I'm going to be set in my focus and my attention, and I'm going to see him do great things in my life. As I focus on him, he'll take care of the rest. He's a master at this, church. Say it with me. The more I focus on Jesus and heavenly things, the more natural things will just show up in my life. Here's the mistake people make, pursuing the things. That's pretty weak there, Sharon, so I'm going to try this again. The mistake is pursuing the stuff. Set your mind on Him and things above, and you'll find out that these things will come up on you and overtake you. You won't be able to stop them. This is how a prosperous soul operates. A prosperous mind is renewed, but also is set. 
Anybody here when you got married ever fight over the thermostat? <laughs> there are a couple of sitting here saying, I'd like to fight you over this thermostat. <laughs> but you know, uh, from the very beginning of our marriage, Kelly always enjoyed it set on one thing. I always enjoyed it set on something else. If I don't have icicles coming out of my nostrils, it's not cold enough <laughs> in the house at night. That's like unreasonable. Your thought life, your imagination is the thermostat of your life. You're the one that sets it. We all rehearse scenarios, but they're not always biblical. That's why we start with doing the mind. The scenarios you should be now entertaining and running over your mind over and over again and seeing yourself in are things that square with God's word. You set that thermostat. You set that. You're responsible for it. No one else can do it for you. Um, there's a lot of confusion about where your imagination plays in terms of your walk with God. But God's the one that gave you your mind. He gave you your imagination. What he expects is for you and for me to make sure we use it in such a way that honors God. For example, when he said, if you look after a woman you know, lustfully, you've already committed what? Adultery in your heart because to him that imagination is being used inappropriately. Does everybody understand that? On the other hand, it's not just not using your imagination inappropriately. It's also learning to use your imagination appropriately. See yourself for what he calls you. See yourself the head, not the tail. See yourself above only, not beneath. See yourself healed. See yourself, amen, walking in the blessing of God. See yourself getting out of that trap, being delivered from that body. See yourself overcoming. Based on what he says in his word. A lot of people don't do this, and so their imagination is filled with fear and filled with, you know, whatever's going on that particular day, the things they've gone through. They play them over and over and over again. Instead of playing over and over again the promises of God and seeing yourself in them. Imagine. One time, uh, <laughs> you know, Happy Caldwell was, you know, driving with a friend of his, you know, and uh, he said, I want you to up, up on that hill. He goes, that's, that's the house the Lord just delivered into my, my hands. And Happy Caldwell looked at him and said, you know, I can't imagine having a house like that. And you know what that man told him? Don't worry about it, you never will. <laughs> you have the ability to imagine whatever God has said in his word. And when you do this consistently, you set a man. That mind, and it's a prosperous mind. You're in the right flow now. I found this out in uh, athletics years and years ago, that just how powerful God created your mind to be. And most likely in this room, uh, unless it's renewed and unless it's set on the things of God, you're living far below your privileges because you're not actually employing your mind at the potential it could be employed. Your mind is not evil. Deducing things with your mind that contradict God's word, that's evil. So I, as a competitive swimmer, 
God had blessed me and given me a lot of success. I was nationally ranked several times, uh, Illinois state champion, held records in Illinois for years. And uh, there was one race that I did, it was, it's called the 200 individual medley, where you had basically two laps of butterfly, backstroke, breaststroke, and freestyle. And we had some folks come in from SIU and they're teaching us, you know, you know, land skills, strength skills, as, as well as coaching us in the water. And they also began to teach us about how to use the mind to affect the body in terms of performance. Now, how many can raise your hand right now and see how dangerous this is if you don't move off of God's word with it? Christians afraid of that potentiality have refused to use their own imagination renewed in the word of God to live what God has for them. And so what they would teach us to do is actually run that race through our minds, whatever race we wanted to focus on. And we would see ourselves, the gun going off, and we go, pow! <laughs> and you jump in the water, and you're swimming, and you're swimming, and you finish the first lap, and the second lap, and you change your know, gears, and change your know, strokes, and then you're getting towards the middle, and you're changing again, and you're coming home strong, you make that final turn, and you see yourself just stroking, everything feels great and wonderful and awesome, you feel strong, pumped up, hallelujah. <laughs> you're not breathing hard, and you see yourself way ahead, and when you come to that wall, you tap that wall, and then you look up on the, wall, on the board for the electronic timing device. The touchpad would record it, and you look up there, and you see yourself finishing in a certain time. And I can't remember the tenths and the hundreds anymore, but I do know it was two minutes and 12 seconds and something. And when I finished that race, in first, when I actually got to do that after months and months and months of running this over, just a simple race in my head, when I hit that wall, I looked up, and do you know that that clock said 212 something something? Now, some of you are just absolutely incredulous. What you don't realize is you've been getting what you've been imagining for decades in your life, you've been getting the same thing. You just didn't put any word pressure on it. You have been work. Every person in this room, every person in the body of Christ has been doing this from day one of their walk with God and all your life. By set your mind, it means start changing the conversation. Even as a kid, I think I was 10 or 11 years old, I remember thinking, that's pretty freaky to be exactly the time. But what you don't understand is your mind and your thought life impacts what your body does, what your life does. A prosperous mind impacts a body, impacts a life. Subconsciously, you're making decisions, even right now, based on what you have been imagining. And you don't even know it. God help us not just to not do things that are wrong with our imagination, but to start using our imagination on what God said we can be, what we can do. Let me give you an example. How many know it's wrong to cuss? That was really weak. You know, this is a Christian church. I don't know, is it wrong? I don't know. Yeah. How many agree it's wrong to cuss? And it's wrong to slander. Yes. And it's wrong to gossip. Yes. It's wrong to tailbear. Amen? Yes. Right? 
But there's another side to that. Where I can use my mouth to bless and encourage and speak life. The power of life and death is in the tongue. If I'm only here, don't say this and don't say that and don't do this and don't do that, I'm missing the point of how positive and powerful my mouth is focused only on what I shouldn't be doing with my mouth. Same thing with your imagination. The body of Christ is focused on, no, don't you use your imagination. And when we're kids, we naturally do. If you can crawl into the side of inside the head of a kid who's playing two, three years old, it would be a marvelous thing, wouldn't it? The things they're imagining. As you grow up, you end up only imagining things that are destructive and based on life experiences. God is saying, set your mind by making sure that your imagination now is sanctified and focused on what did God say. Turn to somebody and say, you can use it for evil. You can use it for good. Say, you can use it for evil. You can use it for good. And the imagination is the thermostat. By and large, you and I are wired by God in such a way that our lives go in the direction of our most dominant thinking, and there are no exceptions. The life and the body go where the mind tells it to go. We make subconscious decisions every single day based on the things we have been thinking and meditating upon. Change your thinking and imagination and you'll change your life. When somebody says, well, God just blessed me this way, you don't say, I can't imagine that. You smile and say, I can imagine that, hallelujah. Somebody just got a miracle from God in their body. Well, I can't imagine that happening to me. Oh, yes, you can. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? That woman with an issue of blood, despite being sick, despite being put out of the temple system, despite not being able to interact with people, she pressed through the crowd over and over again. And the Bible says she kept saying to herself, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. What do you think she's doing? She saw herself whole. And the body carried her to that place of wholeness. You've got to see yourself prosperous. See yourself victorious. See yourself the head, not the tail. We all know how to think less of ourselves. We shouldn't think more than ourselves, but we should not be thinking less of ourselves as well. You renew your mind so you know what's supposed to be true and what's false. And then what you do is you on purpose begin to see yourself walking in what God said you could have. Tim mentioned breakthrough. Right now, all over this building, breakthrough is happening. I said, right now it's happening in Jesus' name. Because some of you are giving yourself permission to dream again. Yes, amen. Turn to them and tell tell somebody, set your mind. James chapter 1, verse 6 through 8. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. The NLT says their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they're unstable in everything they do. The NCV says such doubters are thinking two different things at the same time. God's word for the day says a person who has doubts is thinking about two different things at the same time and can't make up his mind about anything. We're talking about a wavering mind, undecided, vacillating. A double mind man is, un- a double man is unstable in what? 
all of his ways. So what do we do? We find out by renewing our mind what the truth is, and now we set that mind, and we're not moving from it. Say, I've crossed over, and I'm not coming back. Come on, say, I've crossed over on the faith side. I've crossed over on the blessing side. I've crossed over on the victory side. And don't expect that bunch over here to cheer for you when you do. It's not what they think. It's what God thinks that matters in your life. Prosperous mind is a renewed mind. It's a set mind. It's, it's fixed. This is what God said. If you want to get a hold of this, be like Paul. None of these things move me. Come on, shout it out. I shall not be. I shall not be moved. Shout that one more time. Me. I shall not be moved. Because this is going to happen. The person here today says, you know what? You're absolutely right. All my life, all I've done is down to myself and, and focus on things that uh, were terrible and the experiences I went through. And I replay those things over and over and over again. I've been using my imagination against me. I've been using my mind against me all the days of my life. And right now I'm having a revelation and having a breakthrough. From now on, I am not using my mind and my imagination against me. It's for me. That's why we teach you we can have what the Bible says we can have. We can do what the Bible tells us we can do. We can be what the Bible tells us we can be. So you got to believe it and set your mind to it. Hallelujah. Say it with me. I'm setting my temperature. And the temperature is hot. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Praise His name. Oh, if it were just that simple. Now, some of y'all have been practicing using your mind against you for a very long time. I'm wondering why you're defeated, why this isn't working, why this isn't going very well. You just have to get a hold of this revelation. I can't, I can't give you revelation. That's not my department. Amen. No minister has the authority to give you revelation. When man tries to tell you what to think in terms of here, this is what it is, you're talking about dogmatism, you're talking about doctrine, you're talking about legalism, but revelation comes from the Spirit of God. Strikes your heart with the reality of redemption. Say, so I have a renewed mind. I have a set mind. Now, this is going to age me a little bit. And quite a few of you as well. If you're a millennial, you won't get this at all. Uh, Y'all remember uh, Bugs Bunny? Uh, some of these millennials are thinking, is that an app on the phone, Bugs Bunny? But, you know, the, uh, the old debate when it's hunting, so hunting season and there's a picture on the tree and it's a rabbit and rabbit does what? He pulls it down and he says, duck season. And what does the duck put and say? No, rabbit season. Duck season. Rabbit season. Duck season. And then, uh, of course, eventually, one of them gets blown away by Elmer Fudd. <laughs> this is the way a lot of Christians live. They're literally people of two minds. It's time to start letting that mind God gave you, that renewed, sanctified mind, work for you. Whatever you can find in the Bible, a promise from God, 
You can see yourself in your imagination walking in that. Selah. Amen. How many are going to heaven? Not today, but Monday. Right? Amen. What a marvelous place it would be. You shouldn't be imagining yourself in hell because you're not going there. Amen. Glory to God. Let me go ahead and give this to you because I'm going to stay on track. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Because we have a very powerful series for you on gratitude coming up in November. We want to make sure we get that into your spirit. Number three, you need to guard your mind. You know, Kelly would turn that thermostat down. You know what I would do? Go right behind her, turn it up. And a few months ago, I discovered smart thermostats. <laughs> I could be sitting in my bed and undo everything she just did. <laughs> turn it on, turn it off. Wax on, wax off. Hallelujah. I got the control. I got the power. Yes, I do. <laughs> and that's the way it is. Oh, you renewed your mind. You set your mind. Everything's great and dandy. And here comes somebody to try to what? To try to change it. Put pressure on you to move you. That's why Philippians 4, it says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, that means thinking like nobility and royalty. Say it, I think like royalty, because that's what you are. Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. On purpose, you continue to think about certain things. Having set the thermostat, don't let anyone mess or tamper with it. Now, this thermostat is far more important than that one. And they will try to tamper with it. Romans 8, 5 and 6. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Carnally minded brings death. Life and health and peace come from being spiritually minded. Just because you renewed your mind and set, the devil's not going to say, well, I give up. No. And some of y'all have family members that have seen you set your thermostat. And they like to change it. You know, I found out that people who don't know how to walk by faith or somehow it doesn't work out for them because they're not actually doing the things the Bible says, they'll try to talk you out of walking by faith. Fruitless, clueless, Amen. And they're trying to reset your thermostat. You need to look at them and say, no, you need to focus on you. <laughs> everybody wanting to correct everybody else. I noticed a pattern today in the body of Christ. Most people on YouTube, most people out there with some kind of religious channel, they're, they're all slamming somebody else. What would happen if they'd all start preaching the gospel and getting people saved with their time and money? Instead of telling everybody how everybody else is doing it wrong. You know who's doing it wrong? The person that's telling everybody they're doing it wrong. (laughs) 
2 Corinthians 10.5. Here's your job now that you have set that mind, casting down imaginations and everything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity what? Every thought. You get your mind renewed. You set your mind. And here comes a thought trying to enter the mind. You don't wait 10 minutes. You don't wait a day. You cast it down in Jesus' name. And if you have to, out loud. Somebody just told me I can't have what God says I can. Somebody just told me that faith stuff doesn't work. Somebody just told me that that's easy to believe. And you tell them, no, in Jesus' name, I'm going to cast that down. The devil tells you you'll never be anything, you'll never do anything. You cast it down in Jesus' name. What I need is the pastor to show up my house and cast it down. You don't want that. And I can't do it. But you can. Because you've renewed your mind and set your mind, you know when something is rogue and inconsistent with Scripture. Casting down imaginations means identifying contradictory thoughts and on purpose rejecting them on an ongoing basis. Listen, church, there's no vacation from casting down. None. The week you take off is the week the devil begins to reset your thermostat. Well, pastor, I come to church to have my thermostat set. No, you come to church to learn how to set your thermostat. And then maintain it. <laughs> A couple months ago, Kelly was on her way to Mecca, I mean Walmart. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, going to bow down over there. and <laughs> She gets out of the car. And she thought it was sprinkling. But it wasn't. It was a big old glob of bird poop. Perfect hit, man. Just wham. On the side of her head, like over here. <laughs> well, she just thought it was rain. She's walking through Walmart, talking to several people. And not one person told her, you got poop on your head. And I couldn't help it. Two thoughts came to my mind immediately. It was that brown wizard from Lord of the Rings and that pigeon lady from Home Alone 2. You know what I'm talking about? That's <laughs> and my wife walking around like the pigeon lady. <laughs> and no one told her until she looked into the mirror. And you know, a regular mirror will tell you if you have, you know, bird poop in your hair. But only the mirror of the Word of God, according to James, will tell you if you've got poopy thinking. Let me give you a comparison. Poopy thinking is far worse than poopy hair. But watch this. That's bad enough. It happened that day. She gets up the next day Starts to get in her car and she gets nailed again. <laughs> and my point is, all right, you managed to avoid the bird poop today. The enemy will continue to try to assault your mind. He will make a play for your mind every single day. You must renew it. You must set it and you must guard that mind. 
Because it's not in some static state where the devil can't get to it and you've arrived. Amen. Turn to somebody and tell them, bird poop is not a good look on you. Now, Alice, raise your hand if you've ever been guilty of poopy thinking. Poopy thinking, Pastor, I got a PhD in it. <laughs> when it's a good day to be set free, isn't it, church? Amen. Come on, tell somebody, renew your mind. Set your mind. Guard your mind. James 1 says, do not merely listen to the word, but so, and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed, blessed in what they do. See, there's no prosperous mind without renewing the mind. There's no prosperous mind without setting the mind. There's no prosperous mind without guarding the mind. How often? Every Sunday. Um, every day. I was teaching on Wednesday night, and I felt impressed just to share this with you, especially in light of, of how God so graciously emphasized with His presence and His exhortation the importance of praise. In Psalm 57, David is under in unbelievable pressure. King Saul is after him not to say hello and have lunch, but trying to kill him outright. And that, that scripture talks about David having this mentality. He, he says that I will awaken the dawn. Say it, I will awaken the dawn. I have a friend who's a musician and he was part of David Wilkerson's originally uh, tour band after Dallas home left and he's been in our church in Hopkinsville. And uh, he pastors now in Arkansas. And he would write songs about this concept of awakening the dawn. But it wasn't until a few weeks ago the Lord really showed me what's going on here. It's that you and I need to make sure that we awaken the dawn. We set the tone. And you do that with praise in your life. You do that with word in your life. In other words, it's what we call the law of first focus. Say that, the law of first focus. Focus. What are you going to focus on first when you get up tomorrow? Your problems, old negative critical thinking, faulty imagination, or are you going to praise Him? Are you going to let the Word of God be the thing you focus on first? And when you do, see, it determines your attitude for the day. It determines the atmosphere of your life at that moment. It determines what you attract in terms of your life that day. Say it with you, the law of first focus. Not 5, 15, 20 days giving everything else your focus, but learning to get into the habit, the first focus you have is the Word of God, not your email. Not your Facebook account. Well, let's see what important thing is on Facebook today. Are you kidding me? I didn't hear that. <laughs> I think she said, can I have my coffee first? No! <laughs> but some of y'all, that's the way you live. You get your coffee and your cigarettes out. <laughs> that's your first focus. My mom's dad, you know, Bud, adequately named for his love for beer, 
He sit at his table and he pulls whiskers out with tweezers and he smoked pawmaws and drink coffee. Half the time, you know, ashes fall into the cup. Nasty habit. If you're going to have a prosperous mind, you're going to have to start making him your first focus. Not take care of the coffee, take care of the dogs, take care of the kids, take care of the work, take care of the emails, return the phone calls, look at the news. But no, first focus. That's the mark of a, of a prosperous mind. And it's a decision. All you have to do is get up tomorrow morning and say, you know what? I'm changing the way I've been doing things. Say this with me. My mind is renewed. My mind is set. My mind is guarded. No more poopy thinking for me. Come on, set it out. No more poopy thinking in this mind. No, I'm going to think what the Word of God says. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm the head, not the tail. Amen. Glory to God. Surely goodness and mercy and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. Glory to God. You begin to see yourself walking in what God said you can walk in. Amen. Now, I was happy to get the gold medal. I was happy to get the time that I got. It also was a record that day. But I'm telling you, and none of that compares to the fact that we're in the end times. And we need to be bearing fruit. As simple as I can say this, some of you always see your loved ones going to hell. You see them not making it because of their lifestyle. Start seeing them going to heaven. Start believing them in in Jesus' name. Change. That's the most important. Once you're saved, say, I'm saved. Next thing after that is getting people we care about and getting people in this world in heaven. Amen. Now, the devil's kept a cap on a lot of these revelations. But one of the great things about living in the generation you and I live in right now is God is uncorking revelation left and right on us. He who has ears to hear. I said, he who has ears to hear. Let him hear. Amen. So what are you going to do tomorrow morning? I'm going to get up and grab my phone and get on the Word. <laughs> if you do read the Bible on, on a device, make sure it's the first thing you go to. First focus, awaken the dawn with praise in your mouth. Amen. What did that scripture say? Psalm 149, let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. Can you receive that today? I'm going to give him a big hand clap and thank him for it.